Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Where to hunt podcast. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Nah, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. It's weak as shit. <laughs> We're making a tradition of this. This, this silly can koozie kind of dulls the spirits. Oh, man. Keeps them cold. Well, yeah. Howdy, howdy, everybody. Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast. The podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is August 4th. It's a Tuesday. And uh, episode 140-something. Coming at you from the OKS Hunter Podcast studio, of course. And, you know, we can say that because we're okay. (laughs) Uh, Be sure to head on over to OKSHunter.com and uh, buy, buy some of their stuff. Support conservation. Have a good time. That's it. That's what they're all about. Uh, ending buck shaming as we know it. Hashtag no buck shame. If you see some uh, buck shaming going on on social media, use that hashtag and we'll send the whole army on them. So that's pretty neat. <clears throat> What's up, Greg? Oh, yeah. I'm Eric, by the way. We know who you are. Mm-hmm. I think they know who I no am. No one knows who I am. If you're a new listener, you don't know who the hell I am. What's up, new listeners? What's up? So, what's up? What's up uh, in your neck of the woods? Not a whole lot. You got your... your uh, <laughs> God, that's strong. You got your arrows all tuned up? Arrows are tuned. Uh, I got four ready to kill in the quiver. Uh, air shaft, knock tuned, fletch, rodhead tuned. We're ready to roll. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. You got the Tetra on? The Tetra's been on. The uh, Tetra's been on. The, yeah, the Tetra's been on, bro. <laughs> Virtus has been on. Everything's working. Everything's clicking. Everything's going where it's got to go. I'm confident out to 40 yards so far. So We're That's good. awesome. Uh, I got my Tetra. You helped me. You did it. You put it on there for me. Uh, I got to send my old one uh, to uh, Ardent Archers, donating, it, donating that to vets. And uh, cool. <clears throat> I think I'm going to do with that rest or that uh, drop. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that. But I'm dialed in at 40, and I think that means I'm dialed in more than that, too, based on how that thing works. Yeah, and it depends on the weight of your arrows, too. There's other tapes with it, but uh, for now, I think you're pretty well set to go if you get the rest of your order. Order the rest of your arrows, you yep, should be yep. in good shape. Yeah, so. those things drop fast. Well, uh, let's get into some, some sponsorship stuff. All right, let's do it. You're at work, in a tree stand, or simply waking up. It's important to be alert, and there's no better way to get there than with Backwoods Grind Coffee. Ground fresh for every order. Delivered straight to your door. Backwoods Grind Coffee. Take a look at your feet. Are you wearing Gumleaf USA boots? You 
said no. You gotta reevaluate some things. Each pair is handmade and tested to take over a million flexes. These boots will take just about anything you can throw at them. Use promo code W2H2020 for 10% off your final purchase at gumleafusa.com. All right, so, you know, I'm still going to go back and talk about Backwoods Grind for three seconds because if you go to their website, first of all, it smells like coffee. I haven't said that in a long time. You still haven't edited. No, it takes too much time, bro. We, we got time for that. Uh, backwoodsgrind.com. Use code W2H podcast and you get 10% off. Look, if you need some coffee, I'm telling you, this is it. You got to go try it out. Just trust me. Or, or ask anybody else on the internet that's had Backwoods Grind coffee. It's quite good. I've fallen in love with it, so... You fall in love with a lot of things. <laughs> Hopeless romantic. <laughs> oh, shit. All, All right, right, so I'm going to screw up my part here and say if uh, you're looking for a custom built to your spec arrow, look no further than Vector Custom Shop. Head on over to VectorCustomShop.com. Uh, you can select from a test pack, just two arrows built to however you want them, and test them out. And then when you figure out what you want, you can order a half dozen or a dozen. Uh, when you do that, uh, enter code where to hunt, and that'll save you ten percent at vectorcustomshop.com. There, I'm done. Clear. I didn't screw it. No, up. I'm just making it awkward for you. I know you're you're trying to, and I'm just going to keep talking like an idiot. That's how I feel every day. Well, we're good at Jesus, it. That's geez. why we're okay. Anyway, uh, here to talk like an idiot with us, probably to. No, he's better than okay. He's, yeah, well, that's he's true. Been, he's been. I followed this guy since he came out. He's been a pretty came loyal, out. Yeah, whoa, whoa, since whoa. he came out, man. Since he hit the scene. There we go. Yeah, since he hit the Deer Hunter podcast scene. Kevin, what's up? Kevin Vistason with Deer Hunter Podcast, hanging out with us. Yeah, apparently I came out. You came out <laughs> out of the closet. We had to start it weird. Out of the plumbing truck. Yeah. Whatever you got to do, man. Straight out it's of Detroit. I don't even know. Is it even coming out anymore? No, it's pretty normal. Live and let live. 2020. It's 2020. <laughs> live and let live. Nice. I like that. How you doing over there, man? How's uh, yeah, how are real, things in Michigan? I'm real good. Can you guys hear me well? Yeah, yeah you break up a little bit once in a while, but that, if you're on a cell phone, it's going to be kind of difficult. Just like at my house, it's hard to hear people, or they're hard, it's hard for them to hear me. So, uh, did Greg just break up with me? Did I hear? You're not going to get those weird late-night texts anymore and those calls with the heavy breathing. I know you acted like you wanted to talk about deer hunting at first. <laughs> That's how it always starts. See and the shit-given starts. He knew, he, he knew my weakness. <laughs> he's a stalker. He's like been following me on Instagram for oh, years. Oh, he's finally making a podcast. This I can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. Now's my chance to that make my, my move. Going to make my move. When did you start Deer Hunter Podcast? Every, I, I remember talking to you when you were getting that thing off the ground. I mean, it was a thought maybe five years ago, you know, and uh, three and a half years or so now mm-hmm. that it's actually been a semi-functioning product, you know, so I think we're somewhere around 174 episodes. Oh, yeah. Part, You've been cranking them yeah, out. For the most for the most part, we get one out a week, but reality is sometimes we miss a week here and there. It's special for me this year, really. I'm working on uh, quite a bit more than I have in the past. 
and work. I told myself going into this year, work was going to have to be prioritized. Thankful to have a really good job right now and be making good money. And I've got a family and everything. You know, you don't, you don't know what. If 2020, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or the next week. And I want to be even more prepared some, the next time something happens that is unforeseeable. And I feel like it's pretty important. One thing I learned in the last couple months is you better have your financial health and your physical health really you better be in control of it because who knows what's going to happen the following day you know it was kind of a culture shock for or for me i'm in my mid-30s i don't probably for you guys too and anybody younger than us we really haven't we've really been living in some soft times you know and you just kind of expect everything to be there tomorrow so it's been a, a struggle this year just because with the podcast because i've really kind of had to shift my mentality and realize, you know, I'm in my upper 30s now. I'm not going to be able to do physical labor, you know, until I'm 80, 80 years old. So I got to have some priorities set. And I hope, you know, in the following years, I'll be able to. This is uh, the Deer Hunter podcast is really a uh, marathon for me. I, I never look at it with the sprinter's mentality. Like I got to put the most content out or I have to be the most consistent my thought process always is that I'm going to be doing this for a real long time. So be very cautious to not burn myself out and not put, you know, my family or anybody else's priorities ahead of my, or put mine ahead of my family's priorities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said that. It's been a long day, I'm sure. First time. Oh, well, honestly, I'm, I'm a, I got I opened a beer and just sitting here. I'm looking at it. And I'm trying to decide whether to move or not. I just got back from a, a weekend over in Illinois, and I was hanging out with Kurt Geyer and the working class bow hunter crew. And not that I'm in recovery mode, but I'm kind of in recovery mode. <laughs> I bet <laughs> those guys know how to do it, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of what's happening in my neck of the woods. I, I am doing a lot of deer hunting stuff. Actually, I've got uh, I've got Chad and Jake, the guys from Exodus, are coming here Thursday to shoot an episode of Whitetail Cribs. Sweet. No shit. So, You're going to get famous, man, on YouTube. You're going to be on my big I screen. I, uh, have you watched any of those? Oh, yeah. I've watched all of them, I think. Have you? I've watched a handful. I don't have a hand a ton of time to consume content. I've been stuck watching. I don't even know what compared to entire Bubble Guppies and uh, Dora the Explorer and all we're, the other cool stuff. No, we're yeah, no, we're we're past that stuff. Actually, I enjoyed that more than uh, <laughs> you know what we're getting into now. Now we're getting into some weird, some kind of weird stuff. But the story is. Essentially, if my five-year-old is uh, is asleep, usually I am too, and so there hasn't been much time for dad to consume any kind of any kind of content. So I had I've been diligent about it, but I did get to watch a few of the White Tail Cribs episodes, and geez, I've had a relationship with Chad and Jake and those guys between us and the you know the Deer Hunter podcast 
since before it started, to be honest with you. Those guys are our long-term supporter. Not that they're even like an official sponsor of the show. We don't really have sponsors. Right. But, uh, you know, they are our family. You know, I'll say that. That's that's kind of how I look at those guys. Those guys are incredible friends. I look at them as family. And I actually, we haven't seen each other in, oh, well over a year. So I'm excited to actually see them this week and have them come here. And they're going to, like I said, shoot up some whitetail cribs. And we're going to go out and hang some tree stands and put a food plot in and do some camera stuff. So I'm pretty jacked up about that. Sweet. That's cool, man. They're going to spend the whole weekend with you then? They're coming from Ohio, right? They are in Michigan right now. They're at oh. the moment sitting I saw out in the woods recording a podcast out in the forest, which looked awesome. What a great idea. I've done that before with Dan Infault, and it really sets the tone for a good podcast. But they're doing that. With John Eberhardt. Yep. Uh, yeah. So they're up in Michigan, and they're touring around Michigan talking to guys that live to deer hunt. And there's not really a shortage of those kind of guys here in Michigan. Obviously, guys are in Wisconsin. It's very, very similar. Very similar. Wisconsin, PA, Michigan. Really, really diehard, gritty deer camp. Bunch of dudes occupying an area, stinking it up. Absolutely. Gone. It's it's a tradition all, all across our whole region, I think. You know, even in Minnesota, you don't see it as much as in the Dakotas, but Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, the whole, yeah, I, Illinois yeah, even. Iowa's probably not quite as much, but, um, yeah. Ohio. Illinois, no. And half Illinois comes up here, at least they oh, used yeah. to, so, um, but. Yeah. Michigan's you, a hard state to hunt, though. Like, it's not, I think if you get it done there, it's, it's impressive. Yep. I mean, same thing here. It's crowded as shit where we hunt. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of deer, though, too, if you can do it, it right. I almost feel like there's as many Wisconsin deer hunters. Not like there used to be. Look at the, well, when you look at the license sales, it's, uh, there's quite a few less than what there is in Michigan. And I don't know what the landmass differential is. You know, we have the UP, which kind of makes numbers look, it's kind of deceiving because there's a ton of ground in the UP and not a ton of people hunt there. Uh, most of I would venture to say 75% of the hunting pressure in the state of Michigan is below the bridge in the lower peninsula. It could be more than that, to be honest with you. The, the hunters per square acre, the density in the UP compared to uh, the lower peninsula, I don't know what that number is, but I know there's uh, far more hunters in the woods in the lower, and there's just way less property. So you go to the UP, you can really escape that pressure. And that's something that I actually look forward to doing here in the, in the upcoming years. That's why I really enjoy big woods, hunting, deer camp, things of that nature. I do hunt some smaller properties down here in southern Michigan, but rarely do I have as enjoyable of a deer hunt as I do going uh, on my little expeditions up north. So... And you guys, so when you're in the big woods, when you're doing your hunting over there, I mean, because the, phot- the photography you get, the videography you get, your camp that you have, it's, I told you when you are on the podcast last time, it's like you've captured the quintessence of deer hunting pretty pretty vividly. 
Um, is that in the UP where you have the Airstream, or is that is that in the Lower Peninsula, just in the northern part? Yeah, no, that's in the northern part of the Lower. The pigeons. How, really, how big are those woods? Is that, really, is that like the... The Greg, pigeon's huge. Is that like the Nicolet here? Would you compare it? It's probably bigger than Nicolet. Really? Because the Nicolet... How for, big is the... Uh, I, honestly, Kevin, I'll, I don't recall because Google it's cut away. into like multiple pieces. I, I actually... I, I, I think, yeah, collectively though, I think the Nicolet is giant. It is giant. Really. I think I remember um, sending you some some snapshots of yeah, it or whatever. I, I kind of remember. 2.3 million I was interested in acres. 2.3 million acres. 2.3 million acres. Almost 2.4, but yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a big piece. So I think that's right. The or, yeah, I'm sorry. The Pigeon River Forest, specifically the area that we hunted, that we shot that film in, is like its own little, they have their own functioning body, like management management body for that forest that is the most pristine piece of wilderness in the lower peninsula it's 105,000 acres but it's attached to the atlanta state forest that's i believe 150 and then the gaylord state forest that's like 200 plus and then really just connects to a bunch of other tracks of public up there so you know, we have 7.2 million acres of public land here in Michigan, and obviously it's not affected. A lot of that is up in the UP. But when you get into that northern part of the Lower Peninsula, there's public land everywhere, and you can just go and go and go and go. It's hard to hunt when it's that vast. Yeah. I mean, you can't really get terrain features off a map too well. I mean, you can see elevation if you get the right layers but as you're just seeing trees everywhere you got to have boots on the ground and that's a lot yeah. of ground to cover and the deer can be spread out like how do you i mean that's more tactical i suppose like how you tackle that and approach it but it's vast i mean hunting nicolay is i can relate to it that way it's hard to figure well, out you what's got nicolay and then you've got all the little fingers and pieces that are our paper company land here mm-hmm. where it's leased and you know you'll get to know it for you know, maybe 15, 20 years, and all of a sudden they log it all off, which is great because then you get a clear cut and, and, you know, you watch it grow up and get better because they clear cut all that that pulp wood off of it. But you got to hunt, you got to hunt where the clear cut's best. And we've had spots when I used to hunt up north, we just completely quit hunting them because there was no cover there. There's no cover with decent stem count. There's no point in hunting it. So you move on to the next piece, and then sometimes you find stuff that's even better. So I don't know. It, <clears throat> it's part of hunting. You, you learn how to, to use your gear and, and move around and, and be mobile. You know, Greg knows better than I do. Well, I don't know shit. He knows yeah. better than I do about everything. No, no, no. that right now. <laughs> I'm Greg still okay. Better than I do for sure about fishing. <laughs> Anytime you want to come over here, I'll take you. Beers on us. Beers on us. Fish and deer, similar. Yep. You know, if you kind of know the habitat that they need, the structure. Mm-hmm. When guys that are really good at fishing go fishing, they're not just like, hey, maybe I'll go here, or hey, maybe I'll go there. Like, there's a whole bunch of reasons why they're going where they're going. Right. And I feel like that's big woods 
that's big with deer hunting. You know, the last few years, I don't know, it, you know, it could just potentially be that I'm getting luckier and luckier, but I don't, I don't think so. I spend no, a lot of time. No, I, I think you're, you're starting to, you're starting to have things click now. And I'm, I've reached that point too, where things kind of click for me and I look at it, look at something going on, whether it's, you know, a path or how, how it's beat down or how the area is used. You see the rubs, you see the scrapes, or you see the red brush, or you see, you know, you, you see conifer trees or something there that says, yep, this is where they bed. And you, you go in there and you use your eyeballs. I mean, you and I both went through that workshop together with infault and it was a light bulb moment for a few things. And a lot of it was just, okay. Yeah. That's, that is what I thought, what it, what it is, you know, it, it, it makes sense now. So I think since that we can definitely say that Dan has helped us with that stuff and kind of helped us piece together some things, help confirm some things. So it, it just keep going, right? It's it was probably more inspirational for you and for me to get out and scout more. Yeah, scouting's huge. Like Eric said about the looking on the phones and looking for. I don't know if it's so much topography. I guess it breaks down topography, but deer seem to do real well and really like like diverse ecosystems. They're they're not typically a fan of like a monoculture ecosystem where it's just. 10 acres of maple trees or 10 acres of soybeans, you know, they like, they like intersecting ecosystems. And the more of that, that you can find, I typically find is where deer like to concentrate. If you can find where Oak Ridge comes down into some, you know, maybe immature pine growth that transitions into cedar swamp and butt up to a 10 year old, clear cut a tag alder you're going to be in the business man there's going to be some deer around you have more like you have a ton of transition there you have all sorts of transition and you and i both know white tails are edge and transition creatures that's where they love to be that's where security is they're in the clear for a minute they hear something smell something they're back in the thick it's right there for them yeah somebody said to me I don't know who I heard say this, but they, I said, it might have been John Eberhardt that said, if a deer doesn't have something touching it, it's typically not going to be comfortable. I've heard you John know, say so that. Standing, yeah, I think it was John that said that. And I think that's pretty accurate. Yep. You know, they like to be, they like to be in, in cover. And there's, that's why I love going up there. There's an endless supply specifically that forest, why I love that forest is, well, one, um, it gets some funding for um, conservation projects and management projects for the elk herd that's up there. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of unique in that capacity that some of the work that's being done in that forest is for a lot of the work being done up there for, is for elk. And the deer benefit from that greatly. You know, I guess that's a catch-22 for the deer. The, the elk are kind of roughing on the deer in the capacity that they they definitely browse up higher than the deer can. They can really wipe out food sources sure. and really make it tough on the on the white tails up there. But 
people value elk immensely and the Department of Natural Resource, you know, they get funded to put quite a bit of money into, you know, habitat projects up there. So I think it kind of works it works itself out. But yeah, they also have a very good program up there for the way that they select, cut and do timber harvest. And I believe it is, uh, they, they don't do sections smaller than 40 acres. They do select cut based on stem count or whatever they're taking out. And it's really done in the name of science, it, exclusively the timber harvest up there. And they do an outstanding job of moving around. And you know, every time they do a cut, they're, they're potentially putting tons of new foliage on the ground for the wildlife. They just keep moving around and doing all these cuts that are managed through, you know, biologists and science through the state. And it really, really creates an amazing ecosystem. I, I feel like they've got it pretty dialed in up there with cutting that they do in comparison to the amount of mature cedar swamps that we have and winter habitat. It's uh, the last couple of years up there has been really exciting for me. And like we, like we were alluding to, you know, just start to pay more and more attention and do things differently and don't get stuck in like a rigid mentality, be flexible, kind of play their game. If you're, if you go into a mentality, you're going to play their game, not try to get them to play your game seems to work out a lot better for me. Yeah. You're definitely going to succeed more if you're willing to, to change, change it up yeah. and move around and, and find the new food sources and, like you said, you follow that along, and you're going to see more stuff. Do you know where the the Michigan DNR is kind of doing what you're talking about? Are you, you know, kind of following along? Well, like, not, I know you're following along, like you're aware of what's happening, but are you following along quite literally and like, okay, I know they updated this property two years ago. This should be looking good now. You know, are you finding yourself in some of those areas that you know they're working or? Yeah, I have local friends through that, actually, some relationships that have been established through the podcast. I have grown to have some pretty good friends up in that area. These guys run bear dogs. They hunt, you know, they're any time of the year. They're they're out in the pigeon. They're either flying, running bear dogs, taking mushrooms. They live in the forest. They know exactly what's going on. Yep. So, really, I just kind of those guys, you know, you got to use your resources. That's one thing that I definitely am not shy in admitting, man. If I, I'll make a ton of phone calls and get as much information as I possibly can. Heck, dude, I've had guys just send me pins and be like, hey, this is a sweet spot. My dad killed a couple good bucks out of here. We don't live in Michigan anymore. Go hunt it. Really? Okay. You know? <laughs> I'll so check it out. Check yeah, it be out. there tomorrow. Like, wow, that's just this is sweet, yeah. This, Never you know, look, look uh, a gift horse in the mouth, mouth twice. I mean, you got to take advantage of some of the things that are given to you. 100%. Yeah, I'm not shy about And I give people as much information as I can. Anybody that would ever inquire to me about anything, it, I, we get a handful of inquiries, people asking how to start a podcast. I'm happy to answer those questions. Uh, bow tuning, it's not really my thing, but I can typically point them in the right direction arrow building, cooking, venison, you know, mm -hmm. anything that I can share with people, uh, I will. 
Sure, Juan, you can speak. Yeah, just not specifically, but that's how it should be, though. That's how it should be. There's a lot of people that are entering into the hunting community. They're trying to learn. They've never been through it before. I talked to a guy that was 42, uh, never hunted before, just got his hunter safety license. No one showed him. He didn't have a dad, a grandpa, an uncle, a friend. No one showed him. He just wanted to provide, you know, know where his meat came from. So he started doing archery. And then he, you know, got himself outfitted with some gear, got a bow, figured out where to go. I mean, that's hard and challenging if you've never done it before, especially at 42, you know. And how shitty it would be if someone said, can't hunt here, pal. This ain't this ain't a spot for you, you know. Like, it's hard to turn people away that are eager to learn. I love bringing new people in the woods. I think I've introduced seven people to hunting here in Wisconsin. And I put them on spots where they'll at least see a doe, right? They'll see some activity or action. And they have a ton of fun, you know. I'm willing to give yeah. up any spot yeah. that I think might be good, which by the way, we all know my spots are okay. <laughs> They're not like, like I know what that one doing. My spots are pretty okay too, <laughs> to be honest with you. I got a couple spots that I don't share. They're, they're spots that I, they're my spots that have the best promise to actually hold a big mature, a big mature buck. And they're really hard to find. And so there's a couple that I hold close to my heart, but for the most part, yeah, I love taking guys out and I'll, you know, I'll be conscious that I want to put them in a spot where they're one, they're going to see deer Two, It's just going to be, even if they don't see deer, like a landscape, you won't get tired of looking at the landscape, even if right. you sat there for a couple hours. Yeah. That's one thing I really loved about hunting the Northwoods or even Same. in the driftless, like when we went to wild losing, mm-hmm. You know, it's beautiful. I had a babbling brook right underneath me for the most part, and it, you could you could dream about a big deer crossing that brook and and going up and, and bedding in the hills right behind me. But it never happened. I saw more hunters than anything. It happened it was, when you weren't there, right? And then I bounced it out of its bed too when I did walk around. But anyway, I gotta get some moccasins for you, right? <laughs> get a lot quieter. I don't know. I'll just walk around in my socks. <laughs> That ground's pretty soft by those pines. You know, it is. You're doing wrong. If, Teddy Bear we're going to talk about footwear, too, I will give a plug for Dumbleaf boots. I've been yes. rocking those for quite a while. And they're well, it's hard to explain to somebody until they put a pair of them on and go do some type of exactly. activities that they've done in conventional rubber boots. And then you realize, you're like, oh. This is actually like a different piece of footwear. Absolutely. Yeah, Eberhard just did a huge YouTube video on it. And I think he's doing, hopefully he's getting the word out there for him. I just think it's one of those things where we keep pumping it out because we believe in it, you know? I mean, I, I got two yeah, pairs. I wear them all the time, man. They're, they're really comfortable. Yeah, and honestly, we have you to thank for introducing them right. to us. So we appreciate that more than you know. But I'm, I'm agreeing with you on all of that. I mean... I really am very happy with those boots. You know, I'm sure you've had the conversation with Jack too. It'd be great if you made a super insulated pair, but that's not what they do. It's uh, it's definitely seasonal footwear, but it's freaking awesome. It's an active boot. Yep, it's an active boot. Yeah, and into you know my feet get cold, right? So. Nope. Those boots are real good for me until I'm starting to do long sets. If it's going to go below 40, that's not going to be what I'm going to option to. But I do all my scouting pretty much in those. Unless I'm going to be only in hills and I know I'm not going to counter any water, I will wear a pair of hiking boots. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, 
I'm, I'm rocking those things because the comparison of trying to cover miles and, you know, a pair of Burleys or the Mucks. Yep. What's the other, the Irish Setter one? Yeah, Setter makes one. Just, Bogs. There's a bunch of different ones, but they're not as comfortable as, as the Gumleaf for sure. No, they just, they wear you out and wear the Gumleaf. Not as flexible but either. I, they're, they're like stiff. Yeah, I've always said I feel like I could actually say honestly that I'm nimble yes. in them where I would never I would never make that statement when I'm wearing my big boots, you know. But I right. need my big boots to stay warm. I love my big boots too. It's all Yeah, they're all, all part of it. It's all a certain you need pieces pieces for certain hunts, right? It's just how it is. You know. Yeah, like, if, if you're hunting the full season, then yeah, you about. get you get different stuff for different types of the hunt, different types of the year, like it's an airplane flying around here. That's fine. Better than the dog breaking in like he did before. What we were talking about, about relaying good information, you know, that was one of those things about when, when uh, Jack uh, a few years ago had reached out to me and introduced himself, and I said I would uh, demo some boots out and give him some feedback because he was kind of interested in selling these. He thought there would be value in these boots to deer hunters. Yeah, and so he sent me a pair, and I kicked the you know kicked the crap out of them for quite a while before I got back with Jack and said, "Yeah, all right, these things are awesome. Like, I'm all in on telling people that these are great boots." So, not that we have any kind of really working relationship, I just love their product. I love Jack. So, we uh, I. You know, you guys know my, my day job is a plumber, 40, 60 hours a week. That's what you're going to find me doing. And so we have to keep our boots on our trucks because we might be going down into a flooded basement, um, working in wet concrete. Who knows? And I sent Jack some pictures a couple times, and he's, I don't I think I made him uncomfortable. He's like, what are you doing to my boots? Good. You know? But my, that was kind of my point to him is like, I need, this is, this is reality for me. If I'm going to spend a lot of money on a pair of boots, they got to do a lot for me. And unfortunately what I'm not doing all the time is deer hunting. So I like pair that, you know, that I can wear. I, I often hunt just in my, you know, my leather work boots you know, more often than not. Now I like footwear that has multi-purpose. Well, and so those gonna... boots, yeah, and if you're going to spend that kind of money on something, it better be multi-purpose. I'm with you there because, you know, when I was in the field doing what I did in the trades, it was great to be able to have a pair of leather work boots that were comfortable enough to wear after work onto the next family function or whatever and then get back in the truck and go chase a call after that. So if you're going to spend that kind of money, it better it better function. I'm in agreement. That's how I am with my clothing for the most part, too. Like, um, this year, especially, too. As I get older, I just more and more, I, I want to be comfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable in any capacity. And so that might mean that I'm just wearing a pair of Wrangler four-way stretch pants early in the hunting season. I'm not wearing, you know, a pair of, like, specialized hunting pants or, or a pair of Carhartts. Or I've been buying some of this athletic wear from that company in Minnesota, WSI. Mm-hmm. They make, uh, it's American made. It's, it's athletic apparel. They sell to like 
base layers and socks and underwear and other garments to oh, MLB, NFL, NHL, a bunch of college teams. And then his uh, the, the owner and his wife, Priscilla, they both have a passion for the outdoors. So they've, they've moved some products, you know, more specifically marketing them towards the, the outdoor market, the hunting and the fishing. And the active wear stuff, and for the kind of hunting that we do, you know, we'll spend a lot of time scouting, a lot of time hiking from location to location, a lot of time on move, just wanting to be comfortable. That stuff's exceptional. So more and more, I'm, when I'm looking for clothing that I know I'm going to be spending a lot of time in in the fall and winter, I'm definitely looking at sales rack stuff outside of the you know, the hunting industry. Now, I'm still a sucker for an awesome camo pattern. I mean, I, <laughs> if there's an option to buy something that's not camo or camo, I'm pro- I'm going to be buying camo, you know. I loved camo before I ever had any use for it. And so I'm still a sucker for an awesome camo pattern, but I like to be comfortable. So things have to fit right, and that's just the same thing. I'm, I might wear the same garment that I wear every day's worth of work to go deer hunting, you know, because I know they're going to keep me warm, they're going to keep me dry, they're going to keep me comfortable. And same thing with the boots, you know, just return on investment. That's a critical thing for me. Time, man. I'm 34 now. I, uh, You're a young pup. I, whatever, I man. I want to be. I want to be comfortable too. You know. I've, That's an okay age. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> She's right. okay. Right. But no, I, I uh, you know, I'm looking at saddles this year, and I'm eyeing up the the new um, method uh, by Latitude Outdoors. It's a two piece system, and you know, I got two kids. You know, I'll probably have more than that, and they're young. And the number one injury in hunting is falling out of a freaking tree stand. And to me, I hunted out of a saddle last year. I'm not getting some sort of weird saddle train here. I'm not that guy. Maybe I am. It sounds yeah, like it I is. might be, but there's just there's just a shit ton of benefits Diaper with those things. wearing tree ninja. I'll yeah. I'll, ahead, I'll put it depends on. Us, but, yeah, come on. But I was really it. excited, man. I tried this. Come thing on, OKS out Hunter. For the first time. What you got? It was neat. I liked it. I liked it. I didn't have to carry some on my back. It was lightweight. No, there is something Light to be said about you know it was it was weight. <laughs> you didn't carry nothing. <laughs> it was good. But Mister, I go to the gym every day, so I work out. I work hey, out. Hey, wait a minute. How much did that that away with Alpha Strike? Oh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> dude, what is the deal with this shit with these guys? I see these forums, What man. is the deal? I'm like, just... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't give a shit with my stand, and it's not light, but I just it, it just makes me feel it's bulky. Just, I can't bend down a freaking branch without getting stuck like a turtle, you know? I like sure. to feel like a ninja. You are a ninja. A ninja of what hey, we man, don't know. Full disclaimer. Yeah. I got confirmation email today that my saddle is... Uh, was going in the mail today. Sweet. Hey, there's there nothing go. wrong with it. All kidding aside, there is there is room, there's room in the toolbox for every tool. That's true. Yep. If you know how to use it. Mm-hmm. What if you are the tool? <laughs> if you are the tool, <laughs> you're, you're an extremely large tool. You take up the space in the entire box. Yeah, I'm, I'm Greg. Greg had a real fun time getting my gear squared away with me. He's like, "Oh my god!" Every time, every time I bust something, he's like, yeah. "Hey, Eric, did you get a string put on that bow yet?" You know, I talked to my yeah. buddy. He's like, "You know what? You probably Whatever. don't need one." Whatever. Whatever. Yeah, Greg's more. You guys are gear junkies. See, I just, I'm just like, 
I still, I, I'll never forget when I showed up to come shoot your archery league. I got there. I didn't have any fucking arrows. Fucking arrows are hitting the target sideways. I don't know how the hell you managed to do it. But I was doing good. And I, and I was like, oh. I was doing great. You know what it was? It was the extra large bush light that you drank. <laughs> Freaking aiming fluid. Aiming fluid. Yeah, I don't have to second guess myself. What's with the, with, is it Wisconsin thing to still have uh, an old IV tourniquet? Uh, tied to your to your peep site. What's the deal with that? I see all these Wisconsin people. Oh no 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 no! Like don't don't include me in this shit. Okay, this is this is Eric. Okay. This is Eric that we're pointing the gun at. Okay, yeah. Uh, Get your shit together. I don't even know what that is. <sighs> that's where I'm yeah. at. That that's that piece of rubber that snaps you in the face when you pull it back for the first well, time. What do you in do? Five what months. does that even do? It aligns your peep. Then what do you do if you don't have that? You go with the right kind of peep and string. You have it served yeah, in. Yeah, you have it served in by a professional. Yeah, none of this. So does that mean I have to get a new string? What did I tell you? That's, what did I tell you? That's your reasoning? Hey, don't fucking listen Something. to me. Yeah, this guy wants me to spend all my money. Something. He's I was looking at these block. broadheads. $100 for three of them. Hey, I'll probably do it, but holy you shit. Know what? Like, I got to see you shoot some what deer you first. Want. That's all I'm going to tell you. You shoot what you want. I shoot what I like. I shoot. I will say that my it. bow is really comfortable. I did send you video confirmation yeah, today yeah, yeah. that I was punching the bullseye with, with those broadheads. Yeah. No problems. All right. We'll screw some of mine. We'll shoot them in the garage when we're done. Yeah. We're going to need a Sidewinder missile to keep track of right, that. We'll just thing. take out the shitty fridge that I got Jesus that holds our cold beer. Christ. Anyway. Kevin, you got to come to Wisconsin one of these fucking days. Yeah. <laughs> show we got to go to Michigan, show this, too. Show this, show this guy that you don't need a piece of surgical tubing to align your peep sight. But you don't need to not need it either. Dude, it was all the hot. It, it was, was the rage. It was the rage through the 90s, I will agree. And before that was the Cobra T-Bar with... It's funny, hey, dude, if it works. Yeah. If it works. If it works. So run what you brung. Yeah, run what you brung. Yeah, but that's okay as hunters. We'll just shoot whatever. Put it in my hand, I'll make it work. It's all hand-me-down stuff. Sure. You know, I think when I got you hunting, my dad spring. gave me like his onesie tree bark looking camouflage that yes. wasn't cool back then by the way it's cool now it wasn't cool and i got it when i was like a you know young kid and i was like well i want the cool looking stuff you know and i got that and then i got the dual cam darton viper with a whisker biscuit and aluminum arrows with we all shot muzzy aluminum. you know we all shot but i shot aluminum. aluminum when it wasn't cool anymore and everyone else so had I. the fancy bows 21 17s i just got rid of that 24 13s yeah yeah I wore Mickey Mouse boots up until like only a couple of years ago. Not good. Uh-huh. All right, look, if you're taking your hunting seriously and you're trying to level up from the good old days, uh, like I was just talking about here, uh, this is a good time for us to get into the shot of the week. All right, the shot of the week is brought to you by Vector Custom Shop. If you haven't heard their name yet, I encourage you to go take a look. Check them out. Go to VectorCustomShop.com and uh, browse browse around a little bit. Look, these guys build arrows custom to your specifications. You heard Greg talking about them in the beginning of the episode. I'm going to talk about them again because we love them that much. I was just lobbing my arrows down range, and boy, are they heavy. It's funny because I put on one of my uh, Twizzler arrows, as the Ranchery likes to call them, and... Uh, I, I was dialing everything in with my HHA Tetra. I was just trying to get everything all set up to go. And I throw this Twizzler down range. It's good to go. 
and then I forgot to change the yardage on that, and I put a, a vector on the HMR, and it dropped like a freaking tank and did not make its way to the target. Instead, it buried itself in the ground. So, look, these guys build your arrows to your specifications, right? So that means your draw length, your draw weight, the type of animal you're hunting, the type of game, the terrain, elevated, not elevated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? So, um, they use the ethics insert outsert system then to build onto the arrow. So when it gets to your doorstep, it's good to go. Um, great setup, good guys, good company. They're based here out of Wisconsin where we're at, so we love them for that reason too. And if you want to uh, you know, take a swing at a purchase there, enter in code WHERE, the number two, the word HUNT, and you're going to save 10%. So let's get into the Shot of the Week story this week. Hey everyone, it's Levi Carey from the Pull and Feathers podcast here with your Shot of the Week. A few years ago, I drew a highly coveted mule deer tag up here in northwestern Wyoming. My dad and I had set out early that morning looking for deer, ended up coming across this really nice, big, big, mature chocolate horn buck. Uh, tried putting a stock on him. He gave us a slip, and uh, we ended up eating lunch that day, taking a nap, came off the mountain, went and watered our horses at the trailhead, and we're driving the pickup back up to the cabin, and I uh, looked up into some aspens and saw the aspens shaking around and lord behold the the big buck was sitting there and beating up on those aspen trees so we actually slipped up underneath another cabin's uh front porch and uh put the stock on him shot him downed him and uh as we're gutting him out uh my dad starts kind of complaining about where the pickup was angled to load the, the deer up in the pickup and i said well you uh dad you mean to tell me you're whining about loading a deer hole of this size into the back of your pickup especially since normally we are packed in miles and miles in on the horses we got to chop the thing up into a million little pieces to pack it out so uh that's my shot of the week levi it's good to hear from you man and we're excited to it sounds like we're shifting heavily greg and i when i say we are shifting heavily to considering Wyoming as our destination for our 2021 elk hunt. So uh, you're a big part of that, man. Thanks for contributing to the show this week. We appreciate a whole bunch. That's a great story, by the way. So let's get back into our interview, which you want to get in shape. You want to talk about packing pounds off, put some of those on your feet and walk around the woods, 40 pounds on each freaking foot. That's what it feels like. Yeah, it's unnecessary. <laughs> it's but totally unnecessary. We got, some guys, we got some guys in our camp that rock those things. Mm-hmm. And I, Dude, I'd rather do that than have cold feet. Yeah, yeah. True. absolutely. Necessary? Is it necessary to drink my own urine? No, but it's sterile. I like the taste. <sighs> Disgusting. <laughs> What's wrong with you? He has a point. He has a point. He does have a point. It's on top of his head. Well, that's funny. So what's the uh, early season look like for you? Are you going to, are you going to battle the mosquitoes in the hot weather and try to make some aggressive moves? Or are you going to wait till things cool off a little bit and we now, get to pre-rut? Before you answer that question, let's, I'll be upfront and honest. Eric does not like hot weather. He doesn't like to sweat, and he really hates mosquitoes. I like the sweat and running. He, he cries more than his daughter does, and his daughter is almost three, and she manned up and took one for the team. She's allergic the, to mosquitoes. With the, with the world's largest mosquito species that Wisconsin has to offer. So being that, that being said, why don't you go ahead there? Well, uh, you can dress. You know, if you're in the woods and you're in the shade, it'll crush it if it's hot out and you're sitting in the sun. That's miserable. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you get up in a tree, 
you know, our season doesn't open till October 1st. There's oh, wow. some early season opportunities before that. But uh, I tell you, it's true that it stresses me out to even think about going deer hunting before October 1st because I'm just typically not ready for it. So October 1 is our opener. And you can get some hot weather. Fun and some pretty hot, you know, mosquito-y weather. And I don't really like that either. So, you know, but I think I used to overdress because I used to try to stick myself into hunting gear. And and now, to be honest with you, man, I've got like these uh, super lightweight four-way stretch prana hiking pants. And then I buy some of those Wrangler four-way stretch hiking pants. And the air moves right through them. It's almost like wearing a pair of shorts. They're super comfortable. They breathe exceptional. If you do sweat a little bit, they dry super fast. And then I'll wear something similar, just like a lightweight fishing shirt. Something that long covers all my skin, keeps the bugs off of me. But it breathes. It's outstanding. And if you're sitting up there with that, I've got a super thin merino wool cap it you don't feel like it would fall apart that wouldn't hold up but it it makes it i don't know how old it's got to be i don't know how long kuji's been in business but i bet you it was one of their first products that they offered and the combination all that stuff you got a tiny little bit of breeze you're really comfortable and then i run a thermosol and you know i think you'd be absolutely insane not to i was out hanging a stand this past weekend and I could tell I started getting tore up by mosquitoes and my thermosol had fallen out of my cargo pocket and was laying 40 feet away. I went and grabbed that thing and put it back in my pocket and I'm just like that, you know, the bugs shut off. So as long as you don't have a real stiff breeze and, uh, you know, it's semi-calm, which if you got a good breeze, that helps keep mosquitoes away in itself. But if you don't, have one of those thermosols and I just set that thing underneath of my seat in some capacity and you're do you think three is excessive <laughs> i'm like that? trying to freaking guarantee he bought a three you. pack on amazon let's be honest i'm not i'm not kidding or if it's or like our season opens up two weeks before yours does and and it actually opens up on my daughter's birthday so i won't be out on the opener because you know i remember it was hunting season before i remember it was my daughter's birthday my wife got really pissed i was like oh yeah no i, I know that uh but if I go out that early, dude, I am not messing around with those damn bugs. See, and I I drew the the long straw on that one. That's the, usually the weekend of my birthday, so that's my birthday present. Honey, that's what I'm doing that day. Oh, you got lucky. Yeah, I did. She's cool with it most of the time. So. You don't want to spend your birthday with me? Oh, I spend my birthday with her after I get home. Anyway. There you go. Two for one. Two for one. Someday my daughter will go hunting for her birthday. That'll be that'll be what happens. But for now, at three, it's daddy daughter day. Whatever we're doing. Anyway, dude. It, anyway, the merino wool stuff. Greg talks a lot about that, and it sounds glorious. It is. It's wonderful. Yeah, I'm. I actually plan on doing more early season hunting than I typically would. Typically, I don't really get too jacked up about deer hunting until middle of October when it does start to cool off and the bugs do subside, that's when the switch usually for me. And then also, 
once I turn the switch on, it doesn't really go off until January. And so I try to wait a little bit just so I can make amends with my family and have everything in order so that once I do flip the switch, I can just go go all in. But this year is going to be quite a bit different for me. We're having a baby right at the end of October. Uh, that's yeah. what we call bullseye. Is that going to be her middle name or his name? <laughs> bullseye, yeah. Bullseye, that'll be your call yeah. sign. I think that's Woody's worst Toy Story, actually. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, we know you got kids. Watch every damn Disney movie that uh-huh. exists like 200 times. Even if you don't have kids, if you have nieces and nephews, you still got to watch it anyway. So I'm going to actually be going really aggressive the beginning of the season. I'm going to have to sneak some hunting in because that whole pretty much middle, you know, from maybe October 15th to November 15th might, might be kind of a wash for me, to be honest with you. I'm going to have, we're going to have things going on. My wife's going to need me at the house. Yep. You're going to be on call for baby at any bit, minute. Could be drop of a hat. A little, a little bit chaotic here for a little while and, you know, I'm conscious of that. So I'm actually focusing on early season, and the rut is what it is. If I get to go out once or twice, cool, but I'm not really I – don't, I, don't, I just don't see how that's really going to be applicable. But late season, you know, once the, probably we get to like that, you know, mid-early December, that our late muzzleloader season in archery, I'll probably be going pretty hard to paint because uh, I'm going to be pretty pent up. And the last few years, I've had real good success. And I love hunting December. Love it. Absolutely love it. I agree. So, December, January, I'm, I don't know if something to be said. You're battling the elements and and some deer that are pretty, pretty well wisened up by then. Yeah, and they're piled up too. You know, typically if you get into deer, you're into deer. They're, they're usually pushed into some spots and honestly you go up north or I go 90% of the pressure comes from a couple weeks season and after that it really tapers off and pretty quick the deer kind of go back to their normal normal behavior and I've gone up there and you know whatever December 10th deer all day you know on their feet all day young bucks doves little deer and then the last couple well was it years ago two years ago i shot a decent buck he was okay he really was okay and i shot him i was the last day of the motor season actually that might have been a little bit later in the season but regardless i really like that time of year so i'm looking forward to the first couple weeks of season i've made some arrangements and got got permissions on some smaller local properties here around the house that are 10, 15 minute drive. Nothing super promising, but you know, potential to go out, shoot, shoot a deer and I'm close to home. And so I'll be taking advantage of that. We do have a small farm that has a few deer on it. It's got a ton of pressure around it. And it's pretty built up neighborhood. Honestly, now my grandfather's kind of one of the only landowners in the area that still has land. So it's, real noisy and not all that enjoyable to be out there and try to relax hunting. You're usually listening to leaf blowers run in and weed whackers and kids 
football playing, you know, it's almost like urban, kind of like a farm in a semi-urban rural area. But it does have some crop fields on there, and I'm putting in a little small food plot inside corner. And there will be some deer on there. I got a camera up right now. I think there's a 120, mid-120s, eight or nine-point buck out there right now. So, you know, that's okay enough for me. Hell yeah, man. I mean, Nothing wrong with that. Someone, uh, let me see if I can put this out onto the the okayest hunter stuff, but we got... Oh, I re- <laughs> tell I like it, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're having a lot of fun with it, man. It's, well, it's, really it, at the end of the day, we're all deer hunters at heart, and why couldn't, why wouldn't you like it? Yeah. You know, if, if you're taking it uber seriously, I guess I can see why you wouldn't like it, but, I mean, we are taking it serious to a certain extent. You never we want all, to stop having fun. No, but you don't ever want it to not be fun. Someone sent me a message today. They said, use this as you wish. And, and they said, uh, where the hell was it? Tags are for filling and spikes are for grilling. <laughs> so I was like, all right. I was like, you don't mind if I use that? They're like, please, go nuts. It's all yours. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, that's great, too. Yeah, I've enjoyed a lot of spike bugs, point bucks. That's good eating deer. Like, it's like a deer camp is. deer, it right? Like It's deer. like the official mascot of deer camp. Yeah, you're you know? looking, I mean, I don't know how many years I went without bow hunting. You know, I, I quit doing it for whatever reason, something else going on in life, but I always managed to make it out gun hunting. And I had one great year where I shot a four-corn opening morning, and an opening afternoon I shot a spiker to fill Dad's tag. Dad said, you see it, shoot it, because he didn't bow hunt that year, and I didn't bow hunt that year. We wanted meat, and we took him a couple of Northwoods 11-pointers. So we do got uh yeah. so we do got a call here. We got Hey, you're live on the Where to Hunt podcast, Jeff. How do you know this is me? Cuz we, I know, got, we I know got you. all of your details. Oh. Jeff break the skunk out of the boat. Ginky. It said Craig, but it, I know it's Jeff Ganky. Yeah, we don't mess around. Come on. <laughs> we may be two beers in, but we're not that What's stupid. What's up, Jeffrey? Is this the famous Kevin Venison? It is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, 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 you weren't going to call out and do it. It was going to so, be me. I'm happy yeah. I saved it for you. <laughs> good to talk yeah. to this guy. But I'd uh, call in here, call in and uh, pick your brain on something that I'm trying to learn a bit more about here. Uh, last it's not year, coming I invested. Is it? it is. Don't <laughs> no. let him fool you. Uh, last year I picked up a, <laughs> I picked up a frame pack and I've been dinking around with that at the midway of last season about carrying my stand and carrying my gear and whatnot into the woods. And it's nothing fancy. It's just a, a basic frame with a, a bag that attaches to it. I was wondering if you could share with some of the viewers here, how you pack your tree stand, your sticks and, uh, what bag you recommend or don't recommend and what your experience has been with it. Nice question. Yeah, I think there's a ton, there's a ton of different ways to do it right. Dude, I'm excited you called. I was kind of nervous. Like, I'm like, oh, God, you know, it's a different format, right? You Kevin, Kevin don't be nervous. We do scan. We take care of business. Yeah, you got beers to calm those so nerves. It's all good. You, you better be cracking something over there. Yeah, you better just drink your beer, settle down. It's all good. Just calm down. It'll be all right. 
We're here for you. I'll call you a Dick Hunter podcast so. later. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it. Thanks for uh, reminding everybody, Greg. <laughs> no problem, Kevin. Anytime I can help you out, you know I'm your guy. We, we did. Almost, I think we almost did escape that. <laughs> D.H. Always in a hard place. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we get on them. Yeah. Hey, deer hunting is exciting, you know? That's right. (laughs) It's worked out. Shoot that chubby buck. What do you do the rest of the time after three seconds? Watch deer hunting videos. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing as normal. Come on. Oh, man. Yeah, you gotta see those racks, you know. Right. Hornhub. Hornhub. <laughs> Hornhub. What's your question, Jeff? You talking about a pack? Yeah, anyway. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So sorry It's all good. Uh, I think get back to Kevin. He'll uh he'll chime in on that. Greg hit on him earlier on, so the uh the western style pack is the most overlooked thing for Midwest whitetail mobile deer hunting. You see these guys spending astronomical amounts of money on different stands and sticks and trying to lighten everything up and aiders and suaders and naders and waders. Uh, you know, don't forget grenaders. Talking things I don't. They're talking about things I don't even know what they're talking about, and uh, there's this constant move or this constant topic about everything being super light, super light. I don't think it has to be that way if you have appropriate way to carry the weight that you're taking in the Western frame pack. Yeah, those guys literally load up over 100 pounds worth of gear and hike up and down the mountains. So Mm -hmm. these, these, these packs are designed to do that. They're designed to carry weight. There's a ton of different options. I would say it depends on, you know, how, how much stuff you plan on taking with you. Uh, the way that I do, I've seen guys do it a handful of different ways. I've seen guys that will have a pack that breaks off from their frame, and then they'll attach their tree stand to the frame and then run their pack off the back of the stand. That's mm-hmm. not how I like to do mine just because, I don't know. It just doesn't work out good for my setup. So I run a Kafaru Mountain Warrior, and there's a lot of other bags that are, I think, comparable to that. But one thing I will give the tip of the hat to Kafaru for is their durability. Their material builds are pretty thick. I've picked up some Sika packs that I wouldn't feel comfortable strapping a tree stand to because they're like grip stop nylon on certain parts of them, and it's just not going to hold up. Whereas the Kafaru pack, and, and you can find a lot of this stuff on these used forum sites. You know, mm-hmm. I paid, I think I paid $800 for mine. And I, I bought mine as a long time investor for going out west. And, and I, I had used a few different backpacks before this. And I kind of had an idea of what I really wanted. And this backpack fit my needs. So it's a, it's a mountain warrior by itself. Um, expands and compresses from, I want to say, I can't remember how many cubic inches it is, but four, it'll essentially opens four times of the size of what it is when it's fully compressed. And so you can fill it full, basically whatever you want, 
and then compress the bag down, there's straps down the side of it, and on the bottom of it, and on the top of it, and pretty much almost like vacuum bag everything in there. And mm-hmm. after you get used to running it, you really figure out like where you want your stuff so that you can access it. The whole front of my bag zips open. So once you've everything sandwiched in there and, and compressed it down, you can literally open the zipper and everything in there is like, you can see everything perfectly. It's all laid out like mummified in there and take a pick and grab whatever I need and put it right back in its place. And then I, I simply just lay the, the bag down and set my lay my stand right on top of it. And it has two uh, compression straps that buckles, buckle together. And then you can pull these things down. And with the, if you have your layers in your backpack, your backpack will have a little bit of give still to compress once you push a rigid item. You know, you can lay that stand on it, put some of your body weight on it while you tighten those straps down. I'm telling you what, man, that thing is locked down. It does not go anywhere. If you were gonna, if you fell off a cliff, they would find you intact with everything, you know, connected still in your bag. It's pretty bulletproof versus other ways that I've tried to do it where things are just shimmying around, making noise. You're not comfortable. And like it goes back, we were talking about before about being comfortable. So a frame pack puts weight on your hips. It takes it off your shoulders. Any other system, you're loading, you're essentially load compressing your spine because you're carrying the weight on your shoulders. Whereas when you have a good frame pack, you are putting that weight on your hips. And I can carry 35, 40 pounds of weight around and it's, it doesn't phase me at all. And, you know, like Eric was saying, you know, I could be better about working out and eating healthy, but I am conscious to, like, stay in decent enough shape that I can put a frame pack on and go deer hunting with 35 pounds of gear in my backpack, and it doesn't bother me at all. I actually really look forward to it. It's actually pretty comfortable once you get it set right. And you got to get it set right. I've done some long humps in my day, and a frame pack is a big deal. Now, I haven't thought about using it for deer hunting, but... You know, I've done some backpacking and some some backcountry stuff in the Boundary Waters. I got one hell of a pack um, that I had not even considered for deer hunting. This is like going to change my world. Right. I'm going to have to dig that thing out. I got a couple of them. Um, Look at yeah. Mystery Ranch, XO, Stone Glacier, Safaru, Kuyu. They all make these yep. really ultra-light, ultra-strong frames for Western-style hunting. And that is the missing link. I got, I know what I got. What I got, it was like $500 or something at REI back when I was young and stupid and spending money like it was going out of style. No, that's enough money because you can spend that on any really nice pack. I mean. I can't spend that these days. My wife would kill me. But, you know. A lot of time. We pulled up, we pulled up the Kefaru um, Mountain Warrior while you were talking about on their website and just looking at it on the browser or sharing the screen. And yeah, man, I can see exactly what you're talking about. This looks really similar yeah, to what I, I have. Yeah, I think the one I picked, uh, picked up was a Cabela's Alaskan. I want to say it was like $150 or something. That's not it has a basic bag on it, but that, that frame, when I went out with Greg and Eric last winter, and we went like That's two right. and a half miles back in there, and we were practically running to keep up with Greg's long strides, but it 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 was so much more easy to carry Crying all like that winter gear and clothing and whatnot and not have to wear it and get soaked and drenched going out there. Oh, but yeah. 
Um, it made a it made a big difference though with just transporting it and, and whatnot. But that that's good to know, Kevin. Thanks for that. Tip. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, like the layer thing, yeah, for sure. I it could be five degrees out, and I'm going to be in. You know, I'll have my base layers, and then probably like a uh, maybe a pair of like fleece lined hunting pants. And then, you know what I really liked last year was that, um, what's the guy that's over there by you that makes those hunting fleeces, Vernado? Vernado. Yep. Mitch, yep. Yeah. I wore mine yeah. out. Yeah, it's comfortable. And I'll, I'll commute around with that all day, and I have bibs and a puffy and a shell and food and water, heat packs, everything. Yep. And I'll often have a DSLR with me. I mean, I got a ton of stuff. And, you know, the only thing I have in my hand ever is my bow and my release. You know, when I step out of the truck, I'm, I'm hunting. I'm not holding gear or paying attention to my gear. Once I click those buckles in and grab and go, Eric was saying about having the fit right. You know, you actually have that fit right. If you find the right frame pack for you, you'll be more yeah. comfortable wearing it than not wearing it. Yep. Yeah, it feels good. Like once you, yeah, once you get that you fit, it does, it. it's snug, it's... You like you had said, like you get excited to get that stuff on to go out. Like that's that's cool. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, good deal. Yeah, well, I'll let you, I'll let you go. But thanks and best of luck this season to you. Yeah, yeah, we gotta hook up soon, Jeff. We're, we're long overdue. Thanks for calling, Jeff. Take care, guys. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Talk All to right. you later. Well, we can bring this plane in for a landing here. here. We're we're about a little over an hour in and. Eric's a time Nazi. I you am. and I could probably sit and suck beer and keep talking. Well, we but. could do that too, but I like put my I like to put my daughter to bed. It's a special thing. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, I've got my wife and kid are inside. I'm sure eagerly awaiting me being in there and falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Small time. It so long. That's funny. Well, dude, yeah. I mean, we could we could go back and forth, and if you need a spot filled, we'll be happy to come on and be your guest and you're not far too far away that, you know, we wouldn't even, we would definitely consider even driving out by us. So uh, you let us know if you ever need a spot filled. We're, we're okay. You know, we're not going to, I mean, Greg can talk about gear and maybe some tactics. I can talk about a bunch of bullshit and drink beer. So you'll be fine. I'd love to get together sometime and actually do, you know, do something deer hunting related. So I I got plans to come over to Wisconsin and, and deer hunt and, I'd like to have, uh, you know, anytime I'd like to have you guys come over during the fall and share deer camp with you. I think that would be a really cool experience for all parties, you know? Oh, yeah. Between the two of our houses, we got plenty of space, so. Oh, yeah. Deep freezers. Okay, it's a deer camp. Sweet. <laughs> all right, man. Well, uh, I'll end the live feed. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Let's, before we uh, completely wind down, uh, tell folks how to find you. DeerHunterPodcast.com. You'll find all our links there. I am pretty much spend most of any of my time doing social media would be on Instagram, deer hunter underscore podcast. We do occasionally put some YouTube videos out. We, uh, it's just deer, everything's deer hunter podcast, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, deer hunter podcast.com. And then we do have a film that is on youtube also it's called the forest it's a uh, 46 minute it, long it was awesome documentation of our 2018 deer season so 
that's available for people to watch. Uh, producer Jordan Suswith and help from Jared Scheffler to make the final pr production piece. And uh, it's anybody that likes deer hunt would probably like watching it. So that's on our YouTube. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, uh, Jeff, for the call. One Lifey will get this thing produced tonight so everyone can listen to it tomorrow morning on their commute. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks for listening. Hey, guys, it's Taryn Hunt with eHunter.com. Have your articles from this last week. We had a lot of good news articles this past week and kind of all over the place. So bear with me. I'm going to be jumping around a little bit from state to state and even going across the pond on one of them. So... I'm going to start in uh, my home state of Colorado. Uh, we had a couple articles published this past week on Colorado. The first one was the impact of um, the coronavirus on hunting in 2020. And actually, this is an article that we had published before. However, um, the article was updated with a podcast that I did uh, with Randy Hampton of the Colorado Parks and Wildlife. And so if you guys haven't checked out our podcast, you can find it everywhere. It's on uh, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, pretty much everywhere. So if you're interested in, under, in finding out what's going on with COVID and how it might impact hunting, go ahead and check out that podcast. It's very applicable to Colorado, obviously, but may also be applicable to other states as well. So in, the, in that article is the link to the podcast as well, and you can listen to it right there um, on our website. The next one for Colorado is it's, there's a new, um, well, the article is Hunter Reservation System. And basically what this is, is there's some new land that may be available to hunters. It's private land um, that may be available to hunters uh, this coming year. Land that really hasn't been accessible in the past, but due to management needs, they're opening up the, the area for hunting. And so uh, there'll be some restrictions, obviously, on it. But um, if you want to read the details on that, go check out that article. Next, I'll jump up to uh, the state right above me, which is Wyoming. The first one there, we had a couple articles there, but the first one, we'll start with a Yellowstone, artic Yellowstone article, and that article was about a, uh, a cougar's diet. Uh, they collared a, collared a, uh, a cougar a mountain lion there in, in Yellowstone and did a study of, of what its diet consists of, where it was at, what it fed on. Um, really interesting to, to read about if you put out trail cameras, things like that for mountain lions and are able to bait maybe something that you look into to get them to come into your area or for hunting purposes or whatever so the second one in Wyoming and I think this is going to be a, a pretty hot topic article and that is an em emergency bighorn hunt in Wyoming they have an area in Wyoming where the wild sheep are interacting with domestic sheep and they're worried about that interaction and what could come of it and so due to that they are um, allowing several hunting permits to hunt bighorns in that area. And I don't have the number here in front of me. I apologize, guys. The, article, the number is in the article, but it's 30-some-odd um, hunting permits for this area. So, again, it's just a way to manage the numbers and uh, to bring that number down so there's no, so, not so much interaction between the wild and domestic sheep. But uh, the ability to hunt and give another person opportunity to hunt or quite a few more people the opportunity to hunt bighorns uh, maybe a cool thing some people may not agree with it others will be excited about it um, but if you're curious about it check out that article on the details and the details about it I'm gonna jump over to Washington State we had an article up there about grizzly bears 
Um, there's an activist group that is actually suing um, and trying to move grizzlies to a different area. And you guys well know activist groups get very involved in wildlife and where they're at and what they're doing and and things like that. Um, and a lot of times it conflicts with us as hunters and our perspective. Um, but they are actually suing to get grizzlies to, to move into a different place. So check out that article. Again, that's for Washington State. The last one here in the States is for uh, Michigan. And this one actually kind of got my blood pumping a little bit. Um, this article was about a, a Michigan man that was charged with 125 counts of poaching. I'll say that again, 125 counts of poaching. And it's the animals I think that bothered me more than anything, uh, specifically one animal, which is um, a couple of bald eagles. He had poached a couple of bald eagles. Um, I don't know, maybe it's just built into me, into who I am, but uh, that's just an animal that you don't poach. Uh, you don't poach really any animal, but especially that one. So there were wolves, he'd killed a lot of wolves. Um, but anyways, he was actually charged for his for poaching and it was charged for 125 counts of poaching. So interesting read, check that one out. Last but not least, again, like I said, we're gonna jump across the pond, uh, something that we don't do a whole lot, but we're gonna go over to the United Kingdom, the UK. And there was an article that we published about a bison reintroduction. And I know that there's a lot of people that uh, listen to our podcast and, and probably the Where to Hunt podcast as well that do international hunts and may have hunted in the UK before and may be looking for opportunities to hunt in the UK. Uh, with the bison reintroduction, uh, there may be that possibility of hunting in the future over there. Um, for any of those that live in the UK, uh, maybe sooner for you guys as well. So interesting articles up on the website this past week a lot of good information um, we're well into this week already and there's already some great articles up on the website so go check it out ehunter.com which is e-h-u-n-t-r.com and I want to thank the e-hunt or the where to hunt guys appreciate you guys um, and this partnership if you guys have any questions for the e-hunter crew go ahead and send us an email my email is Taron h which is t-e-r-r-o-n-h as in hunt at ehunter.com. Again, E-H-U-N-T-R.com. Thanks, guys. What's up, everyone? Anthony Heller here with Deervane, and hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. This week's tip of the week is to understand, try or do your best to understand what's going on on your neighbor's property or the neighboring property, I should say. Um, a lot of times, when I when I'm hiking on public and I'm looking at public, I'm also doing drive arounds to see what crops those neighboring prop properties planted. You know, are there box blinds? Are there tree stands right on the borders? Do they have four wheel trails? Um, are they hunting it all the time? Do they walk their dogs? Do they let people just come out and play on it? Do they have uh, woods lines and tree lines that would funnel deer on and off the piece of public? Uh, you know, all sorts of different things. So they have ponds on their property that also funnel. Just taking a look at the bigger picture, not only what you're hunting, but what other people are hunting and how that will impact your piece is a great way to find um, success and, and better understand how the deer are moving through a piece of property, where they're coming from, where they're going to, and where you can catch them on that property that you can hunt. Um, it's a, it's a, just a great way. And, it, and since I've started doing it, um, it really helps me honestly pick publicly public land pieces to hunt. Because if, if I'm looking at some great pinch points that come off of public and onto private or vice versa, 
and there's good betting on the private, but the food sources on the public, or again, vice versa, um, you know, you can really start to pick apart how these deer are moving and where they are likely to go when there's the most amount of pressure. So hope that helps. Just take a bigger picture, look at everything, and I'm sure you'll come up with something you didn't know before. All right, catch you later. subscribe to their youtube channel and their podcast they are awesome anthony does this tip of the week for us every week and he does it because he's a nice guy and uh yeah I, I i really appreciate it because it's just so much better than what i could come up with it's obviously far more practical uh so please head on over to deervane.com check them out also check out ehunter.com they have a podcast too super informative uh, as you can imagine, as a news outlet in the hunting industry. So uh, great partnerships there. We support our partnerships. So please uh, check those guys out too. It would mean a ton to them and to us also. And another shameless plug and ask, go give us a review and rating on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, uh, go do it. I don't know what you're waiting for. And if you've done it already before, thank you so much. We've seen so many of them come through and it's just good to know that there's a two-way street and people are actually listening. Uh, things we're gearing up for here, we're gearing up for Rut Club Radio that's going to kick off in September. If you don't know what that is, check out any time uh, in the show last September to December. You'll get a flavor of what that's like. Basically, we're taking calls live, real time, around the country about rut activity. Now, obviously, in September, we don't have any rut activity, so we're just catching stories from last season as we kind of build into the pre-rut, rut, and post-rut. Um, super fun segment. Happy to be bringing that back. Uh, Tactic Talk is doing well. Um, we're lining up guests every week for that and trying to map that to the season and really talk tactical strategies for serious deer hunters that are trying to learn. So that's a great piece. And then we're also still doing our most memorable hunts. And we believe that hunting is about the stories and the memories shared a field. So we try to bring those stories to life and we share those. So they're really small clips, but it's just a fun way to add another element to our show on top of the fact that we also take live calls. If you haven't tried to call into the show yet before, uh, you know, we do run the show every Tuesday night live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and um, we have a calling uh, a call in number. So if you want to contribute to the show, ask questions or share stories or engage with us in some way, you can do that. Uh, we love to have those. And we suspect as more people start to get checked back into deer season, we'll see more of those calls coming through like we had one tonight. So that's what we got for you folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of the show. Um, I got nothing else off the top of my head right now, so we're going to go ahead and call it. But enjoy your morning commute, your morning exercise, your midday exercise, whatever it is you're doing when you're listening to the podcast. We appreciate your listenership and uh, go hunt public. <laughs>